every week, there he is. He keeps showing up. Uh, we're going to wrap up the message series uh, that Randy started a few weeks ago called Untangled. And we've been looking at how through different things that we face in life, um, our relationships, work, future, and just overall life as a whole, there are things that happen in our thought processes, in our emotions, the way that we perceive what's going on that just tangle us up in knots. Um, you may not have a character that's following you around like that, but we all can relate to the fact that there's just things that we face where we just have to decide how we need to move forward, how we need to keep going, specifically as followers of Christ. What do we need to do to stay on the path that God wants us to be on? Uh, this morning, I'm going to wrap up the series by talking about decision making and how God wants to untangle the decision making process that we face on a daily basis. We get in these These forks in the road, we're not sure which way we're supposed to go. And there's something in us, in our hearts, where we can't trust all the times things that we feel. We we get paralyzed. We're not sure how to really decide how to move forward. So we're going to dig into how God's Word, the Scriptures, provides the help that we need to not only make decisions, but to know specifically what God wants us to do as we face these forks in the road. I want to overview what Randy talked about the first week. If you were here or if you weren't, this will just be a recap. This is based on the scriptures found in 2 Timothy 3.16, which basically is stating how the scriptures are helpful to us. And we've showed these little slides. I'm going to walk, walk you through what those look like. First thing is that the Bible is helpful for, for teaching us. Uh, it teaches us um, what to believe, what to do, specifically The path that we're supposed to walk on. This is crucial to decision making. If we're not sure the path, we're going to just be in all sorts of U-turns and roundabouts in life. So the scriptures teach us the path that we're supposed to be on. Scripture also provides reproof. We don't use that term much anymore, but that, that really is, we recognize the sin in our life or the things that we're doing that are causing us to just get knotted up, to get tangled up. This idea of reproof is it shows us where we've gotten off the path, okay? Scripture shows us this is the path we're supposed to be on. Reproof is, eh, you veered off. You're not on the path anymore. What do we need? Well, that's the third thing Scripture does. Provides correction. You think, oh, no, I don't want correction. Well, you, you really do. If you want to stay on the path and you veered off, correction is how to change. That is, how do you get back on the path that God wants you to be on? That's what correction does. And last... The scripture actually trains us in righteousness. This is how to live. As you're making decisions, this would be, okay, I'm on the path, but, but what do I do with this decision that's, that's facing me on this path? What are the choices that I'm supposed to make? What are the choices that I'm not supposed to make? This is the idea that this is what I need to do to stay on the path that God wants us to be on. As Randy kicked off the series, he, he talked about scripture as being not just a book of information. A book of information is something that, you know, you take or leave depending on what, what you're facing. Maybe helpful, may, may not be. Scripture is actually an owner's manual. Now, if you're like me, you may approach an owner's manual like you do a big book of information. Ah, eh, some's helpful, some's not. Until you build it, and then three weeks later, it falls apart. And then you have 15 screws that you haven't attached. The reason we have owner's manuals is to see exactly how to use the features that that thing is designed to produce. It's the same with Scripture. It's an owner's manual for life. 
that shows us how to live out the features of life that he's given us in the different arenas that we've talked about each week. Nathan last week talked about relationships. How does scripture help us in our relationships? Week before, in the future, and in our work, and in life. So what you find is the scripture is not just a general idea book, but specific help on how to get the most out of life. That's really what God wants for us. Not to get the most out of life just for us, but that we can really understand what it means to actually walk with him. Have the designer show us how we're supposed to live as his creation. That's the idea of the scriptures. That's really what we've been digging uh, into the last few weeks and what we're going to continue talking about today. What's helpful for me is a lot of times as I think about what I should do in decisions, whether they're big or whether they're small, is to think, well, what are some things that I need to avoid? A lot of times for me, I learn from seeing the opposite and saying, okay, I need to stay away from that. The scriptures give us some, some things that we should avoid as we make decisions. Let's, let's dig into that. The first thing is we need to avoid becoming desire-driven as we make choices. Proverbs 11, 5 through 6 says, The righteousness of the, the blameless makes a straight path for them, or straight way for them. But the wicked are brought down by their own wickedness. The righteous of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. This idea of being unfaithful, trapped by evil desires, is this idea of you're eagerly coveting what you want. You want something so bad, you're eager to jump at it. In decision-making, that's you want something real bad, you're going to just go and do it because you want it so bad. Or this idea of rushing upon. Um, the thing is, when we make decisions... We have to recognize that we have desires in our heart that are going to cause us to veer off the path. Stubborn selfishness. Arrogance. Pride. These things get in there and we, we, we want what we want. And we want to get it right now. Sometimes our desires blind us to actually what God wants for us. This last summer I, I seeded my backyard, which is the closest to farming that I should ever get. It was a doozy. It's so much work. You know, you have to the toil the soil, you have to plant the seed, fertilize, and then you've got things called weeds and all sorts of stuff. Well, of course the summer it was just every day looking out there like, oh, I've got to keep at it. I've got to keep at it. I've got to keep at it. Finally, I had my grass looking to the point where it actually looked like grass. You know, it was green and it kind of grew. Well, all of a sudden, one morning I woke up, this was about three weeks ago, and I see this big pile of dirt in the middle of my yard. That's weird, man. The wind like blew a pile of dirt. And the next day, I went and there were like other little piles. I was like, wow, the wind's blowing little piles of dirt by the big one. All of a sudden, like, a thing hit me. There's things called gophers. And I think since I've gotten my yard actually to the point where it's nice, a gopher decided that, you know, it's time to upgrade. So the gopher moved in. And what I was faced with was, frankly, how do I kill a gopher? And there are many ways. There's TNT. There's all sorts of chemical warfare. <laughs> and I decided I'm not a farmer, let alone an explosive, you know, master. I, I, I'm not going to mess with that. So I, I decided I'm going to trap this thing. And the way you trap a gopher is, you know, you put a little bit of food in a, in a little tunnel, like a tube, and it goes in the tube, and 
bye-bye gopher. Well, what happened is the gopher was a desire-driven, just like we are. Building its tunnels, enjoying the high life, building its city. But it wanted a carrot really bad. So it went after the carrot, went in this little tube. Bye-bye gopher. I was going to name this message, How to Kill a Gopher, but I don't want to freak anyone out. The gopher was desire-driven. But you know, I'm, I'm a lot like that. I have different carrots in my life that I really want. And even though I may be doing my own thing here, what, what I'm supposed to be doing, like a gopher's supposed to be digging the holes, you get off track and you really want a carrot. Before you know it, your life may not be over, but you could really hurt yourself. You could destroy your life. So we've got to be careful with the desires that we have, the things that we really want. Second thing is we, we need to avoid deciding things in haste. Proverbs 19.2 says, It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. We don't really use the word haste anymore, but it means you're, you're pressed, you're confined, and you're in a narrow place. The picture is, you've decided you want something so bad, you go over to this path, and before you know it, you've realized you've trapped yourself, just like the gopher. You realize that you really wanted something. You decided, I'm going to do it right now. And you're confined. You're stuck. We're hasty. Scriptures say we missed the way. It's, it's we're off track, and now we're, we're at a dead end. We don't know how to go. We don't know what we need to do to get out of it. A few years ago, I, I learned the hard way of what hastiness can do. My wife and I were living in an apartment, and it was small, and we had outgrown it. I wanted things like a garage, you know, some place to put all the stuff that we never use. And we, we had this apartment that opened up right by us. And we decided, you know, this, this, is, this is the apartment we want. So we go to visit the apartment, and there's no electricity because the people are moving out and their electricity has been shut off. And we went about like 6 o'clock at night in the fall. It was already dark. What I realized is when looking at an apartment, the key idea is to look. To see it. Well, when there's no electricity in the dark, you don't see anything. So we went to this apartment, and it was literally like we could tell there were floors and there were walls, and that was about it. We're like, this, you know, this is great. Mostly me, like, man, what do we, wall, floor? It's beautiful. So we, uh, you know, we signed the contract, we, we moved in, and literally on move in day, I looked at the walls, and like there was semi gloss paint and like non gloss paint. And like, paint this way, paint that way. And I'm like, wow, light is good. I didn't see that. We opened the drawers and, you know, rats apparently lived with us. We have animal followers in our, in our family, gophers, rats. Um, yeah, rats just decided, you know, our, our place was good in the dark too. And we jumped in and I realized because of my hastiness, wanting this so bad, not really being wise, slowing down, waiting until we could actually see it. We were in a place for a year that we, we really didn't get blessed. It was, we missed the blessing. You ask, well, how did you know? Well, every day when I was watching a show at night and I heard the rats crawling on the top of our ceiling, there was no blessing there. <laughs> there's fear factor and then there's cringe factor. And I said, what, what is that? There's no blessing. We were hasty. We really missed, I think, what God had for us. And we moved out as soon as the opportunity was wise. Not hasty again. We don't want to go downhill on our living arrangements. But it just, 
because of our hastiness, we, we got exactly what we wanted. We realized we didn't want that. We didn't slow down and ask God what he thought. Third thing that can get us into trouble is deciding in anger. I'm going to be sharing examples because, man, I've done every one of these. Uh, a quick-tempered man does foolish things, and a crafty man is hated. This is in Proverbs 14, 17. The idea of a quick-tempered man. You ever gotten so angry and your nostril flares? Or, you know, that's a quick-tempered man. It's actually a, a, a picture of what we do as much of description. Description. It's, it's your nose flares and you, you're upset. That idea of that man does foolish things, it's, it actually means silly. You make very silly choices. I was playing tennis a, a few years back, and most of my sports stories, you don't want to you know, follow your life after. They end really bad. And I was playing tennis, and I just... I was terrible. I wasn't able to hit the ball. You know, I'm hitting it over the fence, and you're walking to get the ball. And all of a sudden, I thought, you know what? I'm better than this, which I'm not. But I thought I was. And I, I, just, I started getting mad. Like, I should, I should be able to do what I know I can do. And I, I started to get angry. <sighs> you know, I, I'm fired up. All of a sudden, I, I've just had it. And I decide, like any, any person that's watched tennis, if John McEnroe can do it, I can do it too. And I, I slammed my racket right down on the ground. It felt like the best thing I'd ever done, like the best choice I've ever made. You know, like, I'll show you tennis racket that's just an it and nothing else. And I cracked the frame. And it was like a gift that I'd been given a couple years before. It was the only tennis racket I really had. And right when I cracked the frame, it was like, that was stupid. Because what you don't know is the tennis pros that do that have 17 more in their bags. And it's literally like, oh, let's get another one. For me, it's like, oh, I'll never play tennis again. (laughs) But in my anger, it just made sense, but I did a silly thing. But we do that all the time. When stuff doesn't go our way and we're, you know, somebody does something, we have a choice. The choice and decision we make is how how am I going to relate to them? Nathan talked about that last week. What are we going to do in the moment, in the decision? If we're angry, we we do silly things. The scripture is saying, if you do this, You'll be hated. People will not want to be near you. Because if you're an angry man or woman that does these silly things, you're just an explosion waiting to happen. Scripture saying, slow, slow down, calm down. Play tennis another day. Last thing we can do that can get us in trouble. This isn't an exhaustive, exhaustive list, but just some of the themes you find in Scripture in the Proverbs, what they call the wisdom literature. You, you see these phrases which kind of just nail these things that we tend to do cause problems. Um, and that's doing the twist. Not dancing, but twisting Scripture, twisting what God's Word says to get us what we want. We add things that aren't there, or the things that are, we kind of change it. The, the Bible warns us about that. It says every word of God is flawless. That word flawless means pure. He is a shield. To those who take refuge in him, do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. When God says no in Scripture, and we really know, okay, God said no, we don't want to find other Scriptures that say yes to show God. You know, he wrote it. It's kind of like the whole, you know, mom says no, you talk to dad. Same source. God gives a Scripture. They may be in different books. But we need to listen to what God tells us. 
Uh, God's word is pure. It, it stands alone. I Googled. I decided, you know, I wonder if there's actually like famous phrases that people think are in the Bible that aren't. So I Googled famous phrases people think they're in the Bible but aren't. <laughs> and I found the most popular one is a quote by Benjamin Franklin. And it says, God helps those who help themselves. I'm like, I knew that wasn't in the Bible, but I thought, I've heard that before. And you have God in there, people are like, it's the Holy Bible. It says God. The idea of God helps those that help themselves, it's basically saying, you know, you better go after what you want, or you're not going to get what you want. But that, that just, that notion doesn't fly with scriptures. You look in Philippians 2, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. So that scripture against God helps those that help themselves, you realize that the two don't jive. But we're guilty of this all the time. We, we have kind of a vague idea of what scripture says, and we create our own phrasing of it, our own version, the Alex Barrett version. But that version doesn't exist. If I'm not careful, I'm, I'm twisting the word of God to really get what I want. We have to watch out for that. So as we avoid these, or as we try to work on these, what you want to do right now is if there's one of these that you, you find you do a lot, if you're hasty or, you know, sometimes you just make decisions out of anger because you're just fired up. If there's one of those that you, that you tend to do as you make decisions. Go ahead and star that. There may be some help that God can give you. There's maybe something that you need to work on related to that. If there's one of these that you need to avoid, star it. Because what, what happens is if that really, you're like, oh, I do that. We do patterns of this. We usually do it in a lot of different facets of life. If we're hasty at work as we make decisions, we're usually hasty at home. We're usually hasty in our, the way we spend our money, things like that. So may just want to mark something there to look at it later. So how do I follow God through the maze of life? The reason I said maze of life is if you've lived life, you know that, that that's true. Life is not just straight path where here it says birth, and then at the end I can just see death, and it's just this one shot. No, life is really like a maze. Isn't that true? You have an idea of what you're going to do tomorrow, but do you know? No. A year from now? No. It's a maze. It's, it's, there's twists. There's turns. There's facets of it that, that are unexpected. We're having to make decisions that we never thought we'd have to make. So how do we follow God through the maze of life? I'm going to give you kind of three ideas that have been helpful for me. And just kind of making sure I stay on that path. First thing is, is walk by faith, not sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says exactly that. We live by faith, not by sight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is one of the most famous Proverbs. You see this in different cards and bookstores. We're going to talk about it a little bit. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. The idea of leaning on your own understanding is leaning on a risk-free approach to life. Really, leaning on a sight-based approach to life. It's saying we are not going to be able to only do that which makes complete sense to us, that which we can see, that which has no risk involved. That's not life. If we knew everything, 
That was going to happen. We are no longer humans. We are God himself. Because God is the only one who knows every facet of what's going to happen in the situations that we face. So this idea of leaning on our understanding is, is just leaning on, well, that doesn't make sense to me because this is all I see. The idea of walking by faith means that despite what you don't understand, you trust God who does. Despite what you can't see, you trust God who can. There's three things that this looks like. Uh, These won't be on the PowerPoint. You can jot these down if you want to. Making decisions based in faith means, first, you're never not going to need the help of God. Or put it positively, you're always going to need the help of God. We don't make great decisions because of our intelligence or our goodness. But really, as a follower of Christ, when we tap into the resources God's given us, the scriptures, prayer, doing ministry with others, what you find is you you tap into resources that help you see things that you'd never see by yourself. So you're always going to need the help of God in decisions. Second, God will not give us a map of our future because we would trust the map instead of him. Doesn't that seem like it would be so much easier? You decide, okay, God, you're, you're going to be the boss of my life. And then from heaven falls this Thomas guide. But it's an Alex guide. It says day one, day two. Doesn't, doesn't happen. Because I would just be focusing on that. Part of what decision-making is doing is drawing us to connect with God. Drawing us to actually find out what He wants us to do. So it's part of walking with God. That's what it looks like. And last, making decisions based on faith means that my confidence is in God. My confidence is in God. Really, if that is true, then that means... And if we want to walk by faith, not sight, that we will not be anxious. Really, not that we won't be anxious, but that we won't, like, we won't let anxiety show us what we should do. The anxiety, the fear, what this does is this cripples us, causes us to be irrational, causes us to just do things that God's not intended. So when we, we put our confidence in God, we realize that though anxiety may come, we turn the anxiety over. To God. When we're not exactly sure what to do, we turn it over to God. A guy said, um, talking about just the path and, and what God shows, it's not just a straight shot. He says, God, God shows just enough for us to see the curve ahead. He doesn't show us 15 miles down. We, we see just the curve ahead. Because we'd be so concerned with the 15 miles, we'd miss the curve and we'd fly right off the cliff. He shows us just enough so we can trust him. Um, If you can't see everything in your life, if you sit here and you're like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. You're living the way God intended. You're living the way God designed it. Because we do not know everything. That's what makes him God. Second thing, how to navigate through the maze, is to stay on the path of obedience. This is, in the decisions I'm facing, I'm going to trust God, and more than anything, I'm going to do what is right, even if it costs me. 
That's what obedience is. I'm going to do what God wants me to do, even if it costs me. Um, Wise man said this, faith is trusting God to the extent that we obey him. Believing he will take care of us and reward us. That's where faith and obedience meet. Faith is not just an idea. Faith actually moves us toward obedience. Because that's what God has designed us to do. If you think about it, if obedience was really our prime directive, if we, more than anything, set our hearts to obey, think about how many decisions we would make or how many decisions we wouldn't make. Just because obedience is the ultimate process that we look to. It really differentiate how we go about things. I'm going to read two different uh, versions of the same passage in Psalm 119. Um, the second is from the message. It's a paraphrase. I'm going to read the, the New International Version first. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I've taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I've suffered much. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth. And teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Catch this, verse 112. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. The follower of Christ knows that more than anything as they face the fork in the road, the more important issue is following what God has told me to do towards the very end. Uh, the message says this, By your words I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. I've committed myself and I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. Everything's falling apart on me. God, put me together again with your word. Festoon me with your finest sayings. God, teach me your holy rules. My life is as close as my own hands, but I don't forget what you have revealed. The wicked do their best to throw me off track, but I don't swerve an inch from your course. I inherited your book on living. It's mine forever. What a gift and how happy it makes me. I concentrate on doing exactly what you say. I always have. And always will. The reason I read both is you, you get this sense that all of us, we face these dark paths. And this, this passage is saying that you don't have to live in darkness. You don't have to figure out where you go by just keep hitting your head against the wall. God, through his word, through his law, through his precepts, through his statutes, you see this again and again in the passage. This is the thing that lights the path. That, God's word, is what untangles these just knots that we get in. What should I do? What should I not do? What would that person think? What would they not think? And you just get all tangled up. God's word lights the path so we can see the curve ahead. Um, Will Rogers said this, kind of talking about doing. Um, A lot of times, let me read the quote first, then I'll talk. Will Rogers says, even if you're on the right track, you will get run over if you just sit there. Isn't that true? See, sometimes what happens with obedience or not obeying, not obedience, disobeying, is that 
We don't know what we're supposed to do in a given situation. Um, we're faced with it. We're, there's unknown. There's something in us that decides, I'm just going to sit here until I figure it out. I'm just going to sit here, and God's going to show me. But what you find is God reveals his will as we obey with the things that we know we're supposed to do. We reverse that. We say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this given situation, so I'm not going to do any of the stuff that I already know I'm supposed to do. Does that make sense? Because that didn't sound right in my head because I just said that. But it's, it's the idea of you can't just forget it all if there's just a little bit of unknown here. In fact, by doing what you know to do because of what God's told you, you find clarity for the things that you don't. That doesn't even make sense, does it? But that's, that's what the, the Word of God is. As we do what God tells us to do in our relationships, as we do what God tells us to do in, in work, in our approach to the future, as we make decisions, we've been walking with God. We've been doing what He's been telling us to do. And so there's this part where we make decisions. We're not alone. Because we've been walking with Him. The great guide. And he helps us. That, that's the idea of, of obedience. Lastly, let integrity be a guide. So we have faith. That's, I'm going to put my confidence in God, even when I'm not sure how things are going to turn out. That's what it means when you commit your life to Christ. Even when you decide, I'm going to follow Christ as the boss. You don't know what that looks like way down the path. But at the given moment, it means my confidence is in him. I'm going to trust in him. Second, the idea of obedience is I'm not going to just stall in life because of this thing that I don't know, but I'm going to do all that I'm supposed to do for that which I do know. The last, integrity, be a guide. Again, we're on this, we're on this path of life. Integrity are the guardrails. They're the guardrails on the path. It keeps us from driving off a cliff. That's what integrity does. The idea is... There is so much that God's told us already that if we really lived by it, there'd be some decisions we never have to wonder about. We know. Specifically, right or wrong. If you ever face a decision, should I rip this person off? You know, God, I don't know. It helped me. You find that you, there's no place where ripping somebody off is within the will of God. You don't do it. You check that one off. Don't rip them off. Okay, I won't do that. Lie on your taxes. I went there. I'm sorry. But God's word has specific things for finances too. We're not supposed to have dishonest scales in our business or we're not supposed to lie on taxes. If that decision ever comes, well, should I kind of just make it up? No. We check that out. Okay, don't lie on taxes. That's not within the will of God. That's what integrity is. It's already, it's knowing what God says about things. Because those are already decisions you know to make. Because God's given you specific rules. A um, few years ago, my wife and I were in Las Vegas. And, you know, it's like one of the timeshare capitals of the world. And they rope you because you want to see a show. And the show's really expensive, but you go to the timeshare, you get free tickets to the show. Desire driven, see? And we, we went to see this timeshare because we wanted to see a group that are blue. And... And they're expensive tickets. So we go to this timeshare, and they basically, you know, thank you for coming. Um, here's the tickets. Sit down. We're going to walk the property. And then they have these, 
these guidelines, that you have to meet these guidelines. And I looked at the list, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's, you know, your income. And my wife and I, we didn't make enough money. And then there was a, this choice in my head where I thought, wow, I have a choice here. Because they don't know. And then, you know, Hebrews 4.13 is a verse that comes up in these situations. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. It is all laid bare before him, to whom we must give an account. It was at that moment where I thought, he doesn't know, but he knows. <laughs> so I told the guy, you know, we, we don't qualify. We don't make enough money. And, you know, you feel like the most important person. He's well, well, you guys recycle cans. You babysit on the side. You know, he's trying to find income I didn't even know we could make. <laughs> you know, this guy's like, he's told, no, we can work this out. Bottom line was, it, it wasn't right. I thought to myself, you know, integrity protected us there. Because it wasn't just about we would lie. But even more than that, what if we get in there and all of a sudden I bought a timeshare that I can't afford? It protected us. So, you know, we, you know, you give the tickets back. It's like one of those things you're like, here you go. Snatch it from my hand, please. And we left, and, you know, you're bummed. Like you kind of got rejected, you know. So we go to the, the place where it's showing, and we go up to the ticket counter, and I'm like, you know, we'll, we'll get those seats, like, way up there. You know, give us the che- give us the cheapest thing you've got. At that point, they're no longer blue. You know, you don't even know what color they are. <laughs> and we get the tickets, and, you know, we're, I'm still bummed. But I knew, you know, I, I got to do what God told me to do. And we're walking up the stairs, you know, we're stopping, drinking water, stretching out. And, and uh, all of a sudden, the, 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 there's like the, that felt rope across the, across the way. I'm like, oh, well, we're going outside now. It's like, you know, roof tickets. And uh, it's closed. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is like throwing, you know, salt on the wound. And... Guy said, we're, we're closing the upper deck, as I like to say. We're closing the upper deck, and the tickets have been upgraded. And those seats that we were given were better seats than what we would get with the timeshare. And it was at that moment where I thought, you know what? That is the blessing of God. Because you know what? I would have been in those seats knowing that I had lied, and I wouldn't have enjoyed the show. But instead, it was a prime example. If you do what God tells you to do and you stay within the boundaries as you decide things, he blesses you in ways that you would never think. I mean, I, I went from, like, kind of depressed. I was kind of giddy. Like, oh, my gosh, I can see them. That is so, whoa. Can you, and saying, this is great. I'm like, can you believe it, you know? Act like you've been there before. <laughs> I'm not used to that, that realm. Everyone's just. Whoa, must have shut the upper deck. <laughs> but, um, man, it was fun. And it was like, that's what life is about. You do what God tells you to do, even when you think you might get ripped off, even when you think it's not going to work out, and you get blessed. And the only reason is because God's Word tells me that. That's what we have to bank 
our lives on. The fact that God's Word says it, and we have to do it. So if you're facing some decisions now in, in multiple arenas, and you just it's a weight heavy upon you, write the decision down that you're facing. Begin to pray about it, and ask God to show you any principles and scriptures that you can use as a guide. Ask Him to show you, are there any of the areas that you're, you're just getting into those, those bad moves in the haste or being desire-driven? Ask Him to show you if there's some things you need to correct there. Take the time to get to know what God has to say about what you're facing and see what He can do. Are there some next steps that you can take beyond that if you want to? Uh, you can jot these on the connection card. We put those every week on the back. It's just as a way for us to know what you guys are thinking, and we pray for you as you make those next steps. Uh, the first one is determine which strategy I need to avoid as I make decisions and ask God, God for help. We already talked about that. Um, I don't think I talked about the Scripture. There's a few Scriptures on the end of um, the integrity point that talk about integrity. The last one, Psalm 119.24, says, Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. In a given situation... The verses like Hebrews 4.13, nothing is hidden from God's sight. Those things come to you that say, don't do it, you know better. So memorize that. that, that could be a help to you. Third, ask God to show you an area of your life where you make important decisions independent of him. Is there just a specific area that you, you, just, you really just want to do it your own way? And you just do it independent. Ask him for, for help and to show you if you do that. Last, the only way to really know what God says is you've got to read what God says. And if you've never spent time uh, in the Bible, God is gracious. It actually may be a help to you. Spend five minutes reading Scripture uh, this week. You do it three times, that's 15 minutes. Set aside 15 minutes this week to read the Bible. Dig in. You could start reading Proverbs or Psalms uh, or John, the book of John in the New Testament. You've never started before? Ask an experienced Christian for help on, on where to dig in or in that decision you're facing. Is there some scriptures that they know that they could have you read? So I encourage you to do that. Uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And it's so easy to spout verses and look at scriptures each week. We forget that this is our Heavenly Father the creator of the world that's actually giving us your thoughts. And that blows me away, the fact that you give us your thoughts on things. And your ways and your thoughts are so much higher than ours, sometimes we don't even understand them. But as we learn more about you, you really do give us a light onto the path that we walk. And, and we thank you for the light that you, that you illuminate to, to give us hope. And I pray for people that are facing some real decisions right now that are weighing on them, that are just eating them up inside. They're not exactly sure what to do. I ask God that this week you will show them something in Scripture that can help them stay in bounds within the guardrails, that can help them uh, trust in you as they face the unknown. We ask for your help in this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.